Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Your Ben Jarofsky <laughs> show. For Thursday, January 30th, it's just moments away. But before we get into that, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring the show. We love these people. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, sponsor this program. And of course, today's Ben Jaromsky show for Thursday, January 30th, is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, Song of the Day. Uh, this is thematic, as you'll hear. Oh. Big boys don't cry. Big boys, I'm not in love. Big boys don't cry. I don't even know the rest uh, of the song. Hands down, the worst <laughs> song of the day yet. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. <laughs> Thursday, January 30th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, In These Times writer Miles Camflassen is back, Joshua Smizer de Leon is back, and we're talking recreational marijuana with Lisa Solomon, because she's back. And now your host. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Speak Softly Thursday. And here's why. I'm speaking softly today. I'm going to speak softly. You know why, D? You know why I'm speaking softly? <laughs> Why? Because, <laughs> because I read a column in Sun Times, home delivered as always, by a columnist named S. E. Cup, and S. E. Cup is a re- basically a moderate Republican. Okay, see, this is part of what I do. I read what the other side says, so I can learn. Okay, and S. E. Cup's one of those moderate Republicans who says that she really dislikes Trump and she's open to a Democrat winning. Okay, so she's always giving advice to Democrats what they should do to win. Now, I have mixed feelings about taking advice from Republicans because I don't think they really mean it when they say they want the Democrats to win. And ultimately, they're going to give us advice that they think will undercut the Democrats. This is like what I always talk about when you hear like Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. and Johnny Cass over the Tribune telling you how much they feel sorry for Bernie Sanders. I think they think Bernie's the candidate that Donnie can beat. And so they're like trying to get Bernie to be the candidate. I think they're playing you. Now, ultimately, I think they're wrong in their assessment, but I don't trust them. So similarly with Essie Cup, she writes a column. It comes in the Sun-Times. She's a moderate Republican. And you know what she says, D? There's too much yelling. Okay? The age of rage must end is the name of her 
column. It's the headline of her column. And she says that we Democrats are yelling too much. Republicans are yelling too much, too. So she's saying, why can't everybody just calm down? I will now read to you the opening line. Okay. Are you doing the soft speaking thing still? <laughs> she said, don't yell. Okay. Okay. I okay. just want to make sure. I just want to make sure your volume's okay. at a good level here. I'm the producer. Here's you know? what she says. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I'm sick of feeling sickened. Our nasty politics of revenge, our unabating obsession with hating the other side, our too quick to cancel culture, and our fetishization of extreme purity is not only exhausting, but it's making us sick. Okay. Now, the funny thing is, is that she's calling for everybody to settle down and stop yelling now that the Republicans have almost all the power in the country. Let's say they control the Supreme Court, they control uh, the Senate, and they control uh, the uh, presidency, of course. Uh, and they got there by yelling and being loud, okay? They have Fox News uh, Empire, which just spreads their propaganda, their information out to the millions and millions of Republican followers throughout the world who just take their talking points from them, and they're always yelling. It seems to work yelling. You get what I'm saying, D? Yelling seems to work. Now that the Democrats have figured out that yelling works, and I got a candidate named Bernie Sanders who yells a lot and is doing really well, suddenly moderate Republicans are saying, no, don't yell. I'm starting to sense that there may be a trick here, D. Oh, didn't mean to yell, okay? Didn't mean to yell. Anyway, so I read on to the column, no yelling, be calm, be nice to everybody. It's interesting. So um, the Republican moderates say they don't like Trump and they're open to any Democrat who could beat him, but they don't like Bernie. Now, hmm, that's interesting. This is the moderate Republicans who say they don't like Bernie. I would think that Bernie's the person who has a very strong chance of beating Donald Trump, even though Donald Trump seems not to fear him, because Bernie yells. And Bernie can capture the imagination of people who voted for Trump in, in the past election might go over and vote for Bernie because Bernie's offering them something real that, like— can help them. Health care for all, free college for all. It's something easy to understand that they could say, this guy is offering me. In addition, Bernie could fire up his base. So his, his uh, supporters will be enthusiastic. So it would be the kind of Democrat that could win. But no, they don't want Bernie. All right. They, she doesn't even want Mike Bloomberg. Now, I'm not saying I want Mike Bloomberg. OK, Mike Bloomberg is to the right of me. But I will tell you this. He's got a lot of money and money talks in an election. Am I allowed? Can I talk a little louder, D? I'm going to talk a little louder. Yeah. Yeah. It would help me. OK, I'm going to work these louder. levels here. <laughs> OK, sorry, S.E. Cup. I'm going to raise my voice. So you don't want Bernie because he yells too much. Mike Bloomberg doesn't yell at all, but you don't want him because, uh, as anyone, I'm reading from the column, anyone familiar with his efforts to ban or overregulate baby formula, trans fat, salt, sugary drinks, and plenty of other legal substances, knows too well his belief that ordinary folks can't and shouldn't make their own decisions. So you don't want the guy who has the money to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Trump and money talks. You don't want the guy who's got the passionate followers that uh, could rev up the base and perhaps defeat Trump because he yells too much. Who do you want? Let's see. Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg. D, 
I am searching high and low for any Democrat anywhere. We have them all come through the studio who likes Amy Klobuchar or Pete Buttigieg. Just saying, isn't it interesting that the only people who like Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg are people who probably wouldn't vote Democrat in the first place? You know, if I didn't know any better, I'd say they really don't want Trump to lose at all these Republicans who are always giving Democrats advice. Democrats, I'm warning you, beware of advice that comes from friendly Republicans. That's correct. We got a great show today. I'm going to let it out, D. Do it. Miles Conflass will be in the studio. Miles Conflassen. Now, it's been a while since we had some birdie bros in the studio. We've had a lot of Biden Biden f- fans. We've had Elizabeth Warren fans. Birdie's been getting trashed in this show. Miles can't flash, and he's like, I'm bringing the A game. I'm going to talk some Bernie. <laughs> so Miles will be, he was in Iowa. He's going to be talking Social Security, all kinds of things. Justice Smyser DeLeon will be here making his second uh, appearance on the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, he will be talk, we'll do some uh, talk about Pritzker, state politics, uh, and also uh, Donald Trump's feeble, and I mean feeble, uh, eight attempts for Puerto Rico. Uh, and then Lisa Solomon, uh, the cannabis czar of this show, uh, otherwise known as the Reefer Lady, will be here with a mystery guest. Ooh, oh, you're kidding oh, me. Oh, mystery guest. Yeah. Wow. Mystery guest. We're talking Reefer in the age of legal Reefer. Lisa Solomon. Uh, and she said mystery guest. <laughs> oh, my God. And she says she's going to bring some edibles for you, D. OK. So you'll be really flying high. Whoa. <laughs> Hey, Ben, whoa. Anyway, great show. I sound nothing like that. (laughs) Folks, you should see uh, Dr. D when he's uh, Dr. Doobie when he's Dr. Doobie. You know, Ben, uh, it's like, wow. Anyway, plenty of political (laughs) talk ahead. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, man they call Dr. Doobie with the news. How's it going, everybody? I hope you're ready to find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon, because that's what we're about to do. Yes. All right. Good. Live for that moment. (laughs) Once again, no public event scheduled for our Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, this afternoon. But, Ben, she does have some weekend plans. On Saturday, she'll be speaking at Chicago's very first cannabis resource fair. Say what? (laughs) A fair? Say what? Sadly, there will be no carnival rides or cotton candy, and no Ben Jarofsky show live streamer Jay Marie. Mayor Lightfoot will not be in one of those dunk tanks you throw baseballs at, all right? It's a different kind of fair. Oh, I see. Name's a little misleading, I'll be mm-hmm. honest. This is actually an event where Chicagoans can learn about recreational reefer employment opportunities in the process of getting cannabis-related offenses wiped from your record. Here, here. We'll do more of that. That's what the whole bill should have been about in the first place. This free event will be Saturday, 10 a.m. at the UIC Forum on Roosevelt. 65 cannabis-related businesses and organizations will be present. If you attend and you're looking for a new pot dealer, ask around and I bet you'll find one. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a few weed men there. Uh, Nickelback Bernie will be there. More than likely. <laughs> and if there's any advice that we can give to Mayor Lightfoot when it comes to her speech at the event, I don't know, maybe don't talk about who you're endorsing for president uh, of the United States. Am I right, Ben? <laughs> Listen, uh, Lori Lightfoot is leaning uh, Bloomberg. And I'll say this about Bloomberg. He's got the money to go toe-to-toe with Donnie Trump. That's correct. Okay? So S.E. Cup, who's giving advice to Democrats, says, I don't like Bloomberg because, you know, he's against uh, sugary drinks or something. He's telling us what to drink. So she doesn't like the guy with the money that could defeat Donald Trump. So, you know, I mean, I probably would not if is Michael Bloomberg in my top 10 of Democrats. You know, I do the top five. Now, we want this live stream audience liking you. Now, don't go announcing that he's in your top Top 10. 
10. I mean, are there even 10 candidates anymore? I mean, you know, like, I have to consider him. He's running as a Democrat. Oh, my listeners. No, oh, there's only one, Bernie. <laughs> I got my top three. It was fun- funny. I was talking to uh, Joshua uh, Smyzer de Leon. I said, now, listen, I want to hear your top three. He uh, he goes, like, I'm ready to deliver my top three. Let's see, well, who- I'm going to ask Miles Conflassen. Have I ever asked him this yet, D, who his second and third choices are? No, maybe. I don't know. He could be a Bernie, Bernie, Bernie guy, you know, like Robin. Uh, anyway, um, so, uh, yeah. So is Bloomberg in my top 10? I don't know. I got to think. On one hand, the guy's got a lot of money, D. Money talks. Talked about Talking about J.B. Pritzker. That's why he's our governor. Shout out to KMA Barry on the live stream chat. He says, Dennis will be going to this event looking for free samples. <laughs> you may not be wrong, KMA. Well, the problem, you may not be wrong. KMA, the problem is it's at 10 in the morning. All right? I've corrupted the doctor back home in Alton. Get up with that rooster. The rooster would crow at the break of dawn. Dennis but I'm up cutting wood. Now he's like, oh, man. Oh, it's 11.30. I think I'll get up. Right? You have corrupted this kid. And speaking of presidential endorsements, the Illinois primary elections will be here before you know it. It's on March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. We have another Illinois politician announcing who they are backing in the race. This happened Tuesday, and we didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. U.S. Representative Brad Schneider told the public that he will be endorsing former Vice President Joe Biden. Yeah, in the Democratic primary. Vendrosky, coach us up here. Who the hell is Brad Schneider? Brad it doesn't Sh- seem to surprise you, this no, endorsement. No, that doesn't surprise me at all. He's a moderate Democrat from uh, the northern suburbs, Lake County area, Highland Park area. And uh, so, yeah, who else would he endorse in this race? Uh, I mean, Joe Biden is the centrist candidate. Joe Biden is the candidate favored by the Dems, capital D-E-M-S, Dems, Democrats. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Uh, most, I think most... Middle of the road con- congressmen or congresswomen will go with Joseph Joey Biden, that, and and that's exactly what Brad Schneider is. So I'm not surprised. I'm trying to think: Does Bernie have any congressional support in the Chicago land area? And I'm doing this off the top of my head. I should know this, but I do not believe that Bernie Sanders is supported by any of the Congress people in Chicago. Uh, Miles Conflasen will correct me. I know uh, when he comes in. What about but- Chewy? He's still a congressman, right? Yes. Has Chewy endorsed Bernie? I guess you're right. I don't know. He endorsed I mean, him last I, time. I would assume he would yeah. if he hasn't. Mm. You know, I said corrected, perhaps. Uh, but uh, that just goes to show you, of course, in my humble opinion, how disconnected most of our Congress people are from just the base of the Democratic Party, the real activist uh, people uh, in the Democratic uh, Party. In fact, I was talking to uh, uh, Maggie Wonderly. What's up, Maggie? Uh, who is a uh, Aurora-based uh, Bernie supporter who helped put together the slate of uh, Bernie delegates. I'll be writing about that next week. Fascinating story about how slates are, are shaped together and the rules and regulations that govern who gets to run as a delegate. And uh, Bernie uh, is, I would have to give Bernie credit, uh, he's probably the most organized of all the uh, presidential candidates here in Illinois, the way he put together his slate. Uh, so you may be right. Chewy, uh, ha- he endorsed him last time, and Bernie uh, endorsed Chewy for mayor. So perhaps he is endorsing him now. I just can't remember. So sit corrected, D. Shout out to Dragon Slayer 19 He weighed in on the live stream chat. And I may agree with you, Dragon Slayer 19 He says, Ben really needs to stop treating the primary as if we had ranked choice voting. Uh, well, okay. That's a valid point. We do not have ranked choice voting. We're st- we only get one choice. 
Uh, and yet, I view it this way, uh, Dragon Slayer. You know, what if my candidate doesn't advance to the next round? Okay, I mean, what if my candidate uh, doesn't make it past Super Tuesday? Who will I vote for then, or who would I support then? I'm thinking ahead. Uh, but you're right. I only get to vote for one person. Wish we did have rank uh, voting. That'd be an interesting little concept. So right now, as everybody knows, my one, two, three are one, Bernie, two. Elizabeth Warren, and three, Andrew Yang. I'm liking Andrew Yang more and more, but uh, he's still nowhere near Bernie and Elizabeth Warren. And then it's a big drop. By the way, change in my ranking. Get Dragon Slayer. You're going to have to announce this to him. Change in my ranking. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. I, you, yesterday it was Klobuchar 4, Biden 5. And then I was reading this article about Amy Klobuchar's record as a prosecutor in Minnesota. Huh. Well, what is it now? Uh, now it's Joey B for... And I don't know who five. <laughs> I'm struggling for five. Uh, I don't know. I I don't have a fifth. Dennis for five. Oh, I, cool. <laughs> Finally. I'm really not feeling Amy after reading that article about. Uh, it seemed like the, she railroaded this one defendant and uh, wasn't open minded at all about the possibility that he may have been innocent. Didn't show a good. Is. Can I beg Kamala to run again? Remember, I was drinking the oh, Kamala no. Kool-Aid for Let's a while. Let's not do that. You know what? Uh, should I put Steyer in there? Nah. I, I'm really struggling with number five, D. So uh, we got here Brad Schneider, Bernie Brown. No. No. He's a Biden guy. Yes. He's a Biden guy. No no big surprise there. He's a Biden guy. All right. Moving on. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Big problems become <laughs> big problems when you let small problems sit. Hold Remember on. that, all right? Wait, hold on. Big problems become big problems. How's your How's your tooth? Your tooth okay? Remember, okay. We were talking it. about that. You got to watch that tooth or that'll become a big problem. Okay. <laughs> Today, the governor is at Illinois State University. Been for 10 trivia points. ISU? Where? Normal, Illinois. Illinois. Oh, okay. Come on, give there me a ball. All right, who's the greatest basketball player ever come out of Illinois State? Ice Cube. <laughs> Doug Collins. Mm. Mm-hmm. Governor Pritzker delivered his State of the State address on Wednesday. Yes, he All did. the Illinois political know-it-alls can't stop talking about it, including us. Ben, for those may have not, may have not have heard it, uh, what were your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts on that are they're concentrating on the absolute wrong thing of the speech. Uh, all the attention's been on his pledge to clean up corruption in the state of Illinois. And that's what seems to be the headline event. You know, I'm going to clean up corruption in the state of Illinois. You know, D, I just have to laugh at this. I like, we're going to, uh, we're going to uh, propose new laws. I'm like, the guys are being charged. The crooked politicians are being charged with extortion and blackmail and taking bribes. They're already illegal acts. I don't know if we need new laws to get people to pay attention to the existing laws. They knew the laws. They were breaking the laws when they broke the laws. I just think there's just like a general sense that I won't get caught. I I can get away with anything. So, you know, the notion that we're going to change the culture of corruption in Illinois by passing some new laws it's like saying we're going to uh, reform our system of financing gov- uh, pol- uh, elections by changing election uh, financial laws. And now we have a system that's even worse than before. So I don't know. Sometimes I think Illinois should, don't pass any new laws. All right. Just follow the laws that already exist. Big problems become big problems when you let small problems sit. Got it. Got it. Let's take care of those small problems. <laughs> 
Who do you think wrote that part of the speech? Of course, J.B. did. You think he wrote that? I don't know. All right, now, duh, those of the Democratic persuasion were big fans of the Democratic governor's address. But what about our conservative friends in Illinois? What did they have to say about it? (laughs) Well, right now, in my bearded face are quotes from conservative Illinois lawmakers regarding the governor's state of the state address. Mm -hmm. The following comes from the Southern Illinois newspaper website. Southern Illinois' delegation of Republican House members were, quote, encouraged to hear Pritzker talk about ethics laws and tax relief. Okay. Last half full so far, guys. Here's Republican State Rep Terry Bryant out of Murfreesboro, Illinois. Mm, Murfreesboro. That's down by Carbondale. Oh, look at you. (laughs) Look at this guy. What an Illinoisan he is. I told you I was in Carbondale in the 70s, man. It was a a haze of smoke, but I was there. Here's Republican State Rep. Terry Bryan out of Murfreesboro. Quote, Mm -hmm. although I do not agree on every priority laid out by the governor, I was encouraged to hear him touch on a couple of legislative items that I believe should be the major focus of the 2020 spring legislative session. As for myself, I would like to see the session focus on reforming ethics laws, providing our citizens with property tax release, and a move to change the way legislative maps are drawn to make the process more fair and equitable. Oh, my God. Goodness. Oh, my Dems. Okay, this fits into my general theme today. Beware of Republicans who say they're your friends. Beware of Republicans who give you advice. Right now, our system of map making favors the Democrats. They control the process from A to Z. They can make a map that undercuts the power of the Republicans and maximizes the power of Democrats. Now you're saying, oh my God, I'm shocked. That's not fair. We should be fair and equal. Oh yeah? Well, when the Republicans make it fair and equal in Wisconsin and Michigan, we can have it fair and equal in uh, Illinois. So stop pretending, Republicans, that you want fairness. You just want to take away an advantage that the Democrats have. Hey, JB, I know you're too smart to fall for that. I hope you're too smart to fall for that. Oh, no. Could he be falling for that? Oh, JB. God dang. Next up, it's Republican State Rep Dave Severin out of Bitten, Illinois. Bitten. Bitten. Benton. Oh, Benton. Benton. B-E-N-T-O-N. Benton. Benton. Of course, Benton. You've been to Benton, haven't you? No. Oh. Is it in the 618? I don't think so. Here's the quote from uh, Mr. Severin. Quote, governors give speeches. Speaker Madigan controls the process. Oh, we're I was, back to bashing Madigan. I was encouraged to hear the governor's signal support for badly needed ethics reforms, some of which I am sponsoring. Oh, but we all know that there's only <laughs> one person that can either make something happen or stand in the way, and that is Speaker Madigan. Are the Democrats serious about cleaning up state government and ending corruption? The proof will come when bills actually make it to the floor for votes. Okay, let me break it to you. Madigan's not number one in town anymore, all right? That's old Bruce Rauner rhetoric. Bruce Rauner, when he got elected, he said, who can I pick on? But remember, at the beginning, Bruce Rauner didn't even know if it was going to be Cullerton or Madigan that he was going to pick on. He must have done some kind of survey or poll. Who knows? Uh, and they came up with the notion that Madigan would be the best person to demonize on the Democratic side. He spent four years demonizing Madigan. All right? Thought that was the key to winning re-election. Thought that was the key to getting the legislation he need to gut unions. None of it worked. He tried to... Uh, 
uh, uh, twist the arms of Democrats into passing his anti-union legislation by uh, bankrupting the state. That didn't work. J.B. Pritzker defeated Rauner. Rauner's gone. And now J.B. Pritzker is the number one Democrat in the state. Michael Joseph Madigan is a distant second. Who was this legislator that said this, D? I just forget the dude's name. Uh, This feller's name, Dave Severin. Severin. Dave, come on. You're reading from the Rauner playbook. That playbook didn't work, okay? Rauner spent millions and millions of dollars demonizing Madigan. Guess what? Madigan got even more seats in the General Assembly, and J.B. Pritzker is the governor. So Madigan is not the problem right now. If you're a Republican. Yay for our teachers. <laughs> Yay for our teachers. Did you say Bruce Rauner? Uh, Bruce Rauner. And then the next name. Well, he always cuts it off. But the next. Yay for Ann Burke. <laughs> Speak. Oh, I thought uh, Bruce Rauner was against big, uh, big machine Chicago Democrats. Funny. He just picks and chooses. He loved Eddie Burke. Didn't like Michael Madigan. Here's Republican State Rep Patrick Windhorst out of Metropolis, Illinois, home of Superman. Yeah, that is, isn't Superman from Metropolis? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. yeah. Uh, he says, quote, Windhorst, is that his name? Yeah, Windhorst. W I N D Horst? H O R S T. Okay, just had to get it right. Windhorst. Yeah, yeah. Looking for uh, comments on the uh, the statement he made. Okay, not necessarily not his, name. his name. Just wanted to get it straight, okay? <laughs> Patrick Windhorst Hello. said, Patrick Windhorst <laughs> said, quote, Illinois leads the nation in population loss in the last decade. I believe we must tackle the crushing burden of unfunded mandates and get Springfield off the backs of schools and local government units. The high cost of running local government causes the price of property taxes to go up and causes people to leave the state. Solving this issue and providing relief for our citizens will take bipartisan compromise. All right. Uh, I'm, there's like a kernel of what he said that I agree with. And this is an interesting uh, debate that's going on in Springfield right now. And this is like the sub uh, subterranean message uh, that uh, Pritzker was sending out yesterday. In fact, the Tribune picked up. I got to give the Tribune credit. Chicago Tribune. Uh, hold on, hold on. Let me get to you. Hold on. Let me just take this. Hold on, D. Huh? Yeah, we got nothing going on. Yeah, Go ahead. Take your time. Be patient. Ah, here we go. They have this um, in big, bold print, a pullout quote. That's what they call it in the business, D. All right? All right. And Fancy this, pants. Know, this is from Pritzker's speech. I'm here to tell you the carnival barkers, the doomsdayers, the professional critics, the state of our state is growing stronger each day. I have that quote. Yes, you do. Are you going to read it or play it a little while? I got it right here. Hold oh. on. I'm here to tell the carnival barkers, the doomsayers, the paid professional critics, the state (laughs) of our state is growing stronger each day. Don't believe me? Well, consider these facts. Oh, wait, he was going to say about the cell phone. The guy who made the cell phone is from Illinois. (laughs) Did you know that, D? Uh, And then there were four presidents from Illinois. Did you know that, D? (laughs) So anyway, when... Pritzker says these things, what he's doing is taking aim at people like the right, people like the Chamber of Commerce types, uh, people like the Republican leadership in the state of Illinois, and people like the editorial writers of the Chicago Tribune who say uh, that people are leaving Illinois, the population is falling because we, uh, we have too many unions. Uh, and our taxes are too high. And what uh, Pritzker is trying to do is saying the state is not nearly as bad as the doomsdayers say. We're a lot stronger than they say. And what we really need, and this is where the fight is coming down, if you want to have property tax uh, relief, then we're going to have to have a fair tax. Where the wealthier you are, the more you pay. That's sort of the subterranean, unmentioned uh, message that he's beaming out. 
and his speech. And that's what the Republicans are countering. It's, it's like they won't say it in direct words, but this is kind of what their the brainwaves are emanating. That's what they're doing. Want to do that again, D? All right. That's what, so what are you saying? Fair tax, fair tax, fair tax. And they're saying, we're against your fair tax. We're against your fair tax. And as I always say, people. If you're going to fund government, if you're going to pay our obligations, someone's got to pay for it. So if we're going to cut the property tax, we're going to have to raise the income tax on our wealthiest people. That's all there. And I'm all for cutting the property. I just paid my property. To, actually, I have not paid it yet, D. I got the bill. I'm like, got to pay it. <laughs> but if we ever get that property tax bill, it just like wakens my inner Republican. I'm going, you know, Ronner had a point. Uh, but uh, so anyway, that's the subterranean game that's going on here where the Tribune and the Chamber and the Republicans say the state's in terrible state. We've got to gut the unions and cut taxes. Uh, Miles Conflesson has entered the studio. Miles Conflesson has entered the studio. I love it when my guests come early. Anyway, and uh, Pritzker is saying the state's in good shape uh, and what we really need is a fair tax. So that's the big fight that'll be ahead in the state of Illinois. All right, we'll do one more conservative comment on the governor's state of the state address. Here's Republican State Senator Dale Fowler out of Harrisburg, Illinois. Harrisburg. You know where that is, don't you? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just asking. All right. <laughs> went to community college. I don't know many things. I can just sound good when I read the news. Harrisburg. <laughs> you know what? You know a lot about the 618 area code. You know a lot about that. Oh, yeah. Don't sell yourself oh, yeah, short. Pal. Oh, okay. yeah. And you know a lot about cell phones. I mean, we got a text and everything like that. Go ahead. Here's Republican State Senator Dale Fowler out of Harrisburg. Quote, we've had three Illinois Democrats in the state legislature indicted on charges of corruption, creating a serious lack of trust in the integrity of lawmakers. Meanwhile, taxpayers are facing a crushing property tax burden. Businesses are still reeling from the consequences of a costly minimum wage increase. And Illinois continues to lose residents to bordering states. These are critical issues that have to be addressed in order to restore faith in the system of governance, provide relief to our taxpayers, and ensure that the people have a voice in state government that is heard, protected, and enforced. Here, here. What's his name? That's uh, Fowler. Dale Fowler, Dale Fowler out of Harrisburg. He's very concerned about the charges against Sandoval, uh, the state senator who just pled guilty. Uh, I'm just—he's a Republican, correct? He? Yeah. Uh, did he make any, did he make any mention of the fact that the the leader of the Republican Party has been charged with rape? Let me look here. No, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. uh, I love my Republicans. They're outraged. Outraged, I tell you, by petty Democrats taking petty bribes. But they look the other way uh, at the allegations against Donald Trump. Look again. This is the game that's being played, folks. Uh, on one side, the Republican Party is uh, trying uh, to uh, use Democrats as like the scary, like the scary thing that uh, is trying to tax you and send you out of the state. And the Democrats are are trying to raise the the income tax so they can finance government. Uh, this is the battle lines. This is this is what's going to be uh, the chief fight in this state for the next six, seven, eight months uh, leading into uh, the November election. I don't know if it's going to get any traction, D. I know you and I talk about it. Occasionally, Rich Miller, I read about it. He writes about it. But, you know, I think a lot of these uh, issues, very important issues to the future of the state of Illinois, will be lost uh, with the presidential election. So it's going to be very challenging and difficult for uh, uh, Pritzker, I think, to win that fair tax. And the Republicans are going to try to undercut his efforts by doing things like focusing on the petty crimes of petty state reps and state senators 
like one Marty Sandoval. So there you are, everybody. That's what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Feel free to weigh in with your thoughts on the governor's state of the state address. You can do so if you're listening live on the live stream chat room, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook and Twitter. The Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram. Ben runs the Instagram account. Ben, how's that going, by I the way? I told you it's booming. I, right, I told you Zuckerberg right. called me, remember? Oh, I told wow. you. He no. goes, um, Ben, like, it's just too much. You got to stop with the Instagram post. Uh, you're I, blowing up here a little I, too much, sir. <laughs> those, all those guys at Facebook are running around like... You I put, put a picture of me up on there, right? I did. You were wearing a tie. Yeah. How many it, likes is that up to? Uh, I think it was at 50. Get ready, Zuckerberg. <laughs> Sorry, sir. <laughs> Get ready, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg's like, who is this Ben Jarofsky show account? It's blowing up. Oh, also, you can find us. Uh, we have an email address. We don't give that out enough. I always try to make sure to do that. Uh, Benny J show at gmail.com. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show at gmail.com. If you have any guest ideas, segment ideas, uh, if you want to make fun of us, whatever you want to do. We don't care. Hold on. What? Mark. Oh. It's Zuckerberg. I'm on the air. I yeah, can't talk. On. Okay. All right. I know the account is really destroying your computer. Do that after the All show. Right. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. Take care. Oh, goodness. Yeah. All right. So, hey, don't go anywhere, everybody, because coming up next, our friend Miles Camp Lassen of In These Times Magazine is with us. We're going to talk progressive politics. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show live from the Chicago Sun Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. 
live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Thursday with Miles. Miles Conflossen, the pride and joy of Whitney Young High School, rock star in high school. He's put away the guitar. He's now gotten real serious with writing about politics. Uh, so we'll be talking politics, talking Bernie, talking Iowa, talking Social Security, talking the agitation that the moderates have for Bernie. But, D, you got a question? Absolutely, I do here. Our good friend Kyle waited on the YouTube live stream chat. Uh, he's got a canvassing question. And Miles does quite a bit of canvassing, so we figured he'd be the guy for this here. So just let me scroll up here and find it, and we will read. Okay. It says here, uh, I'm running into an issue while canvassing anti-Fox because of Smollettgate, yet pro-Biden and ignoring the favorism of uh, his office title allows in getting family jobs. Thoughts? Hmm. Um, I'm curious where he is doing his uh, canvassing. Kyle, where are you canvassing? <laughs> yeah. Weigh in. Uh yeah, I mean, I'll let you know when he responds. I, I okay, Smollettgate. We love talking about Smollettgate on this show. Talk about it all the time. Uh, it's fascinating on uh, so many ways. I urge everybody, not today, but to, if you haven't already, check out Maya's uh, discourse on it from Tuesday. She was passionate on the whole issue. Uh, she thinks the whole thing is just a trumped up, no pun intended, there issue oh, uh, manufactured by people who uh, despise. Uh, the uh, the criminal justice reforms that Kim Fox, the larger Kim, criminal justice reforms that Kim Fox uh, is proposing, and her main point, which is a very good one, like if you were to list the the, the top twenty issues in criminal justice in Chicago and Cook County, Smollett Gate would not even be on the top twenty. Uh, and uh, I I said, well, you know, I I said it may make it into like the top 20, but it's not top 10. Uh, so I minor issue with her on that point. Uh, but she, I think oh, overall she made a good point. Kyle yeah. said he canvasses in the 40th ward and he's wondering how to do, uh, you know, some advice on uh, not alienating people. You know what I mean? Ah, well, let's, let's, uh, I, I know the 40th ward is north side of Chicago. The former uh, alderman of that ward is Patrick O'Connor and the new war alderman is? Uh, Andre Vasquez. Very good. <laughs> Democratic Socialist. Come on, mm -hmm. D. Andre Vasquez. I'm reading people's comments on the live chat. Come the on. hip hop Doing a lot here. alderman, all right? Uh, and he's for Bernie, I believe. Um, all right, so advice. You go to a door. You knock at a door. Uh, you, let's say Great sound effects. Yep, okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, you say, yeah, I'm for uh, Kim Fox. And the person says, oh, I can't stand her. Smollett Gate. What do you do? Well, I uh, got to say, I think that canvassing is the heart and soul of, of lo certainly local politics, retail politics. If you want to, you know, move people on the ground, knocking on doors, talking to um, to potential voters, to community members, to neighbors, even people that, you know, don't vote. That's the way that you kind of understand what is going on on the ground. Of course, it's all mediated through what, you know, media is telling them. And so, you know, you do have to push back on certain narratives. But I got to say, it's such a relief from the um, spin zone of, you know, we always talk about the um, hellscape of twitter.com and other, you know, how online you can really, it brings out the worst in people. Mm -hmm. Having door-to-door, uh, -door, person to person conversations is not only very good uh, as a way to kind of demystify the political, you know, experience of how people decide who they're going to choose to represent them, but it also allows you to sharpen your skills and get used to, you know, having uh, difficult sometimes, but really um, important conversations about issues that matter to you and that matter to them. So I do encourage people to, um, you know, if you want to get involved in political organizing, you know, there's these surveys out that talk about how, you know, Americans say they spend many hours a day doing political work, but that really boils down to them reading articles online or something, mm -hmm. you know, and considering that civic engagement, I've got to say it is so helpful to, you know, of course, I spend much of my day consuming 
you know, the written word as well. But it's, it's it's so important to actually get out and start talking to people as well, especially in campaign season. So just as a preface to all of this, um, in terms of that question, I mean, I have not been canvassing for Kim Fox. I do think that in terms of this race, I support Kim Fox. I think that she's facing a barrage of attacks that are often a little bit, you know, racist, to be honest. I mean, you see this con- these Conway ads that say, you know, we're on a fox hunt and stuff. It's just it's really gross uh, the way that they're going after her. And he's trying to kind of run to her left in these ads. And when, you know, what I would say is we've seen a 20% drop in incarceration rates. That's good. It doesn't mean that there's, you know, violent criminals on the street. It means we're actually accomplishing many of the criminal justice reform goals that have been set out and that we're seeing across the country. When you look at Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, um, you look at um, Chesa Boudin in uh, San Francisco, who just eliminated cash bail in San Francisco. These are the type of progressive uh, reforms that we really desperately need in Cook County. And that's why you saw... um, Anita Alvarez kicked out and why you saw, you know, real transformation when Kim Fox won. And I think that's still what um, working class people largely want. The Smollett case is no, you know, the media will not put it down as we just talked about, you know, the... um, that editorial interview meeting thing where they just the, oh, the Tribune's editor just <laughs> kept talking about it. So <laughs> it's understandable that, that that's what voters, you know, associate because that has been built up by the media. So you got to just counter that with, you know, things that the media is not talking about, you know, like a drop in incarceration rates or um, things that will, you know, refocus the conversation away from just that. All right, let me ask you this then. I'll be really specific. If you knock on a door, thank you. Uh, and and you sense that the person you're meeting is aggressively against the candidate you're supporting. Yeah. Do you engage, try to convince, or do you just say, you know, my life is short. There's a lot of other people <laughs> on this block. Thank you, sir, for your interesting opinions. Go Bulls, and then leave. Is that <laughs> I always throw in a go Bulls, yeah, at the, go Bulls at the end. <laughs> uh, our sad, sad Bulls. Uh, oh, let's not discuss last night's game. They had the lead with three minutes. Sorry. Sorry Zach Levine should be an all-star, though. So I would uh, uh, I would move on. I mean, I think that that's kind of canvassing 101 if you realize you're not certainly at a you know, later stage in a campaign. There's Persuasion is an important part of any political campaign. You know, you want to win voters to your side. But if somebody tells you, I'm going for another candidate, you know, don't waste your time. You got you, you got, you've got to move on. And that's certainly the case. You know, I've been in Iowa for, uh, for in recent weekends, um, seen a lot of different parts of the beautiful state of Iowa. I got to say, it's a wonderful. You're all uh, over place. Facebook. Or- no, I mean, I know. I love it because uh, Miles, is, we'll get into Miles, I would think. But Miles, it is true. Your Facebook posts and you always have the, the, the bull's hat. Yep. You wear the bull's hat in Iowa. Aren't they like. They're not even Bulls fans in Iowa. I think it's safe in Iowa because they're not, you know, there might be some mixed allegiances, but I'm going to the, you know, eastern part of the state. I think they're they're largely Uh, Bulls fans, uh, though most likely going to be Packers or Chiefs fans. So I wouldn't wear my my Bears hat there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I would make an argument. I'm making this argument that, yes, wear the Bears hat. Because that'll you get an engagement then. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't stand those mother beep. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, and then you know you get talking football. Of course, that's my that's problem good. with canvassing, Miles. I'm like 15 minutes at the door with one guy talking about the Bears, and I realize <laughs> I haven't. It dis- seems like you can do that with pro teams in Iowa. College teams? Oh, hell no! You better oh, yeah. wear Hawkeyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Set 2020. Uh, right, that's enough sports talk. Wait, for today, time out. Uh, so I can't remember who asked the question. 
that that was Kyle. Kyle, uh, Miles' advice is to uh, quote Dion Warwick and just walk on by. Yeah. Uh, if you find that there's a pushback and resistance, just the, the very notion of Kim Fox, and they're all you know fired up at Smollett Gate, just yeah. go. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya, and leave the, the <laughs> One thing, though, I mean, that, that uh, I do think is important, certainly in Iowa, uh, as it relates to what you were talking in earlier in the show, is somebody might be supporting Joe Biden, but, for example, you know, but as, as Kyle brought up, but in a state like Iowa, where there's, you know, uh, caucusing and certain can- candidates have to reach, reach th- certain thresholds, even though Joe Biden is obviously going to get delegates out of uh, Iowa, unless there's like a massive sea change in some areas, he might not in a caucus site reach that uh, level of delegate reach that level of voters you need to um, be uh, counted. And so they might have to move to their second choice. So in that sense, there is kind it's not ranked choice voting, but there is this version of, you know, if you don't if your candidate doesn't reach a threshold, you do move on to a second or even a third choice. So it is important to have those kind of conversations of being like, well, you know, I know you're with Bernie. I hope you'll, you know, go by. I know you're with Biden. I hope you go Bernie number two or, you know, Warren number two, whoever you're canvassing for. So that's and what we'll see is, you know, in the past week, there's been two kind of developments that relate to this. One is Andrew Yang said he believes most of his supporters will go to Bernie if he doesn't reach thresholds in in the Iowa caucus. So he's not, you know, coming out and supporting another candidate, but he's basically giving a nod to his supporters to say, this is what I expect you to do. And that could be a big boom because, you know, if Andrew Yang is getting 5% in Iowa and those voters go to Bernie, for example, that could be big. Same thing with Tulsi. You know, Tulsi was just visiting a Bernie headquarters site in New Hampshire, kind of just stopping by to say hi. It's kind of giving these uh, impressions to their followers to be like, oh, you know, I'm kind of with this person. So I do think that that is important to have those kind of conversations and not just say, oh, I'm not going to speak to you at all. You're on the other side of the, you know, you're on the other team. So thank you for saying that. I uh, get a lot of grief from uh, my friends of the real lefty persuasion for having a top five. Yeah. Uh, I struggle with my finding five that I could fill yeah. out, but you got to have a five. Really, and right now, today, since the revelations about Amy Klobuchar's prosecutor. Uh, oh, and did you see they, the, the Black Lives Matter Minnesota is calling on her to step yeah, out I, from the race? There's, yeah. It's really hard for me to stay with her at number of what well, she fell from from four to five. Uh, I'm I, I'm really strong. I could not put Tulsi in there because of um, some of her uh, issues with um, Muslim Indian Muslims uh, that we've talked about on the show many times mm-hmm. with Samina and Ramana. Uh, so I don't know who my fifth is. It doesn't matter anyway. So okay, when you you're now when you say you're going canvassing for Bernie. Uh, you're on the eastern side of the state, did you say? Yeah. So what towns are you in? I went to, well, I went first I went to Cedar Rapids, which is a little bit more inland, but a little bit more of a, a populous city. And then I went to Clinton, Iowa, which is right on the border, and Davenport this past weekend. Both now, of those are very close. Now, when you uh, when you go door to door, are you working the old Chicago style where you have plus, you already know the voters that you're going to are Bernie pluses, they're going for Bernie, or are you being sent to to homes where the people have not uh, indicated who they're uh, favoring. Well, it's a little it's a little bit of both. I mean, at this stage in the campaign, there's a lot of um, focus on just kind of get out the vote, bring making sure that this, uh, certainly because there's a lot of 
most likely first-time caucus goers that are supporting Bernie Sanders this time. You want to you know have a conversation with them and make sure they have a plan of how to caucus because it's a really you know wild system down there that I'd say has you know anti-democratic elements because you've got to show up on time if you're there after 7 p.m. Uh, on caucus night, you're not counted. So, you know, we, you know, you tell voters get there at 630 and have a plan to get there. You know, are you going to drive? Do you need a carpool? How are you going to do that? That said, there's still plenty of people that are on the fence. I mean, this is how um, politics is done in Iowa. And most people make their choice within the last two weeks of the cycle. So there's still undecided people that, you know, need persuasion and need to have that kind of conversation. So I think that's going to, both of those things are going to be going on up until caucus night. Do you have a, uh, can you fill out a top five? You I know, know Bernie's one. Do you have a two, three, four, and five? You know, I, I do. I, I think that right now it's most important to kind of choose what uh, political side you're on in this. And I think it's very clear there's two uh, particular sides. There's two lanes. Um, the left lane, I'd say right now Bernie Sanders is, you know, the standard bearer. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, I think, has run uh, an impressive campaign and is also running on a lot of the policy goals that I agree with. So, of course, she would be number two for me. Uh, below that, I mean, I just think that it doesn't for, for me, I think may probably along with you, maybe Andrew Yang. Uh, I don't think I can't bring myself to <laughs> go support three. <laughs> I can't bring myself to support, you know, uh, Biden or Klobuchar. But. I would be, you know, honestly, if Joe Biden is the nominee, I'm a, I will, I might wind up, you know, I might not knock doors just for him, but find a way to support the Democratic nominee to defeat Trump while also advancing the same type of agenda that Bernie Sanders is running on. So I'm not, you know, I think that I, I'm a big believer in, you know, being engaged in politics regardless of, you know, the particular outcome of one race because the fight is much longer and much broader. And so that's you, you know, how Miles, I look at it. I've never asked you this question, I'm going to throw this one at you. Uh, Miles Conflanton from In These Times, your journalist, uh, generally there's a wall between uh, journalists and people who go sure. door to door. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I do understand that. I think that there's, you know, uh, I certainly am not from the more traditional school of journalism that would have a strict firewall, and I have plenty of friends that are, you know, in more mainstream outlets, some that have to sign disclosure forms that say, you know, I'm not even going to go to a protest or a rally. I work for a publication that is pretty uh, straightforward about its politics and its political bent. I mean, the mission of In These Times is to amplify and advance uh, movements for justice, and I think that you know, political campaigns certainly fall within that. Most of my organizing work has been not around, you know, politics, electoral politics necessarily, but around different issues, especially I've done a lot of organizing around housing, around immigrants' rights, around nuclear disarmament and anti-war work. Um, in these times, of course, doesn't, it's a 501c3, it's a nonprofit, it doesn't endorse a candidate. You know, we've written about positive things about lots of candidates, critical things about plenty of them. So as, you know, an organization, it's not, you know, it's not like the Des Moines Register or something where they're going to put out a big editorial endorsement. Like in these times, doesn't do that. That said, I mean, I'm just an employee there. I, you know, I'm a writer, columnist, editor, so I don't see myself as you know held to exactly the same strict editorial standards. Nor do I think that that would be beneficial for the type of work that I do in terms of assigning and writing stories. I mean, most of my work, even when it is more reported work, is based on some type of analysis. You know, and I try to bring a political lens through which and be clear about that. I mean, I think that we should see more of that, hopefully, in journalism is people being honest about their biases, because that is always a, you know, aspect of what you bring to the job. Listen, uh, you're, I know we didn't say we're going to talk about this, but you <laughs> raise subjects, you know, us, we go on tangents all the time. 
journalism is confronting so many issues uh, right now. And uh, it's like, there's so many newspapers that are just barely hanging on the tribune uh the we had a couple staffers in talking about uh the new uh one of their new owners that control has a majority stake very anti-employee uh sure. hedge fund and uh, there's efforts to uh, try to get them to sell so the, the 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 reporters are having to step up just to defend their newspaper their institution uh, in a way that they never had to before uh, so journalists, I think, really have to rethink these issues. And when I, when the thing that happened with the Washington Post uh, and the reporter whose name escapes Felicia yeah. with Kobe Bryant tweet was just so outrageous. Yeah. Uh, y- you know, where the newspaper, this we, I talked about this the other day, I was just so irritated at the Washington Post. They Newspapers want their reporters to have a presence on social media. Yeah. They encourage you. They the reader literally made me get a Twitter <laughs> account. That's a whole other story. Years ago, I didn't want one. Well, that's such a it's such a portal in which to you know people get uh, access. The journalism is through personalities and through people having opinions. So I mean that's frequently the way in. So when there is more of a harsh dividing line, it's kind of like what do you want? What do then? you want? <laughs> so it's like the the woman had the the Twitter account. She posted uh, a link to, after Kobe uh, died in the helicopter crash, a link to a story that talked about his rape case. And there was an outpouring of hate against her. And the Washington Post, instead of defending her, suspended her. Oh oh boy, runs the Post. Marty Barron centered this really... And of course, the the owner of the Post is one Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, yeah. I'm like, what? What do you want? Both ways? You want your reporters to be like... You know, jugglers and clowns on Twitter. And, and then when talk they talk about an anti-worker organization, I mean, there, you know, of course, there is a union at the Washington Post. It's actually represented by the same uh, union that I am uh, the shop steward of for for in these times, which is the News Guild, the Washington Baltimore local. And they've been, you know, trying to negotiate a contract for years, and just the, it's just a stalemate because they have these uh, completely, you know, anti-worker, anti-union lawyers on the management side that are just, you know, won't give an inch. So I'm not shocked that that is going on there. But you know, so. Management makes clear their politics in these situations, right? So why is it wrong for the employees to then also have opinions, especially when those opinions are about protecting their own rights and their fellow workers? So I'm, you know, comfortable being explicit about my political positions. Um, And, you know, most of the stuff I write, honestly, is opinion or, you know, op-eds or columns, Mm -hmm. things that have a clear political bent. So when it comes to um, you know, presidential race. I have not been in, as involved as I have this year, but that's also because I think that this is a really unique political moment and opportunity for the uh, people that you know believe in a transformation of American politics to not just you know enact left-wing policies, but to bring more democracy into our political life and into our economy. You know, I mean, I think that's really the promise of Bernie Sanders. Is you know, you look at his Workplace Democracy Act, you look at the things that he's running on. It's talking about trying to create uh, conditions where your relationship to your employer are not nearly as kind of dictatorial as they are right now, where, you know, people have no rights. You know, you, do, you can't, you can, there's no just cause in, you know, on the books. You have to negotiate that through a union contract. And as these attacks on unions step up, people have less and less power in the workplace to control the conditions of their own lives. And I think that we need a transformation in that. I don't think Bernie Sanders is going to do that on day one. But I think when you look at the kind of coalition that he's building right now and the type of 
policies he's run on and his whole entire record of, you know, walking on picket lines and standing up for labor rights. I think that is, you know, presents a new opportunity that it is incumbent on people that really believe in that to get on board with. So that's why, you know, I talk about this kind of stuff. And honestly, I think that it makes it makes it, you know, going out and knocking on doors and talking to voters gives me more of a real understanding of what is going on on the ground, rather than just reading news reports, you know, and looking at it from on high. So um, for me, I take it as you know, it's a, a educational experience yeah, as well. Fair enough. Uh, you don't have to convince me. I think <laughs> I, I think many of the notions of objectivity are uh, have always been contrived to begin with. Uh, that's a whole other discussion. You said you wanted to talk to, uh, Social Security. I want to talk counterattack against Bernie. That's on my mind. So why don't we start with Social Security? Uh, I'm not quite sure what exactly it is you want to talk about Social Security. So well, I think it that you. it's become this issue uh, that Joe Biden has, you know, it's kind of began with uh, the uh, Sanders campaign putting out uh, some information on, uh, and that was actually through David Sirota, somebody we talked about last time I was on the show, who's the speechwriter for, ostensible speechwriter for the Sanders campaign, uh, pointing out how Joe Biden has a record of working to cut Social Security. And rather than trying to deflect that or you know, move on from it. The Biden campaign, he couldn't resist and kind of rejected that, which forced them into these, you saw he did a, um, uh, panel like forum on racial justice and said he had never said he wanted to freeze spending on social security and the uh, interviewer just said actually you did you know because it's very clear in the record he's been doing this for 40 years and I understand plenty of people want to continue to support Joe Biden and there's plenty of reasons to do it but saying that he has not worked to cut social security throughout his career is just a ball ball-faced lie and I think that voters are starting to see that and the reason I bring it up and think it's important to talk about is what we've seen on the ground in Iowa, the most recent New York Times poll that's out has seen a 17 point swing from voters that are between 45 and 64 from Biden to Sanders from the last poll until now. And that is a massive swing and it's backed up in these other polls. Emerson has a poll out, Fox News has a poll out showing over 10% swing within this age demographic that has been Biden's base. You know, everybody says Bernie uh, gets all the young people, you know, even if that's that's kind of his bag. We're starting to see uh, voters move away from Joe Biden at, to, to Bernie Sanders. And I think it has a lot to do with this particular Social Security attack because it's that is it's probably the most popular government program in American life, you know, and for over half of uh, black adults, that's uh, that's the social seniors. That is their primary source of income. Social Security, it's it's so near and dear to people's hearts that when you bring that up, you know, that you've had a candidate who's, you know, in the top position and has been working throughout their life to cut that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Sanders has an ad up in Iowa uh, right now about that. That can, you know, force this cleavage where people have to deal with that record. So that's why I want to bring it up because it's. If I was in the Biden campaign, I'd want to get rid of this story immediately well, instead of continuing to engage. Yeah, in it. and that story plays to uh, a larger issue that Democrats are having to confront with this election, and that's the issue of mainstream centrist Dems like Joe Biden, uh, who down through the years. Uh, have moved consistently to the right, to the center, to find, uh, 
to find what consensus with Republicans uh, in many cases abandoning the principles that the Democratic Party is supposed to represent. So the point you're talking about, there was a campaign for about 20 years ago, I recall, where uh, Republicans were going around saying that Social Security is going to go bust and that we have to, quote unquote, reform it. That's what they always call it, reform it. Uh, And reform it means you raise the age uh, that people have to be before they can retire or um, which Biden did support. Yeah, he supported that. That's generally a reform uh, so that you can spend so people have to work longer before they can uh, get uh, the benefits of their Social Security programs. Uh, These are exceedingly unpopular with the base. But the Dems are always like buying into this stuff, which undercuts their freaking base. I don't like get it, man. It's like this is a winning issue for you. I'm getting well, not only of course, it's a winning (laughs) issue. And that's why Joe Biden now says, which is great. He says we should expand Social Security rather than cutting it. I think that's great. You know, people should come over to the uh, our side on that issue. But that doesn't mean that the, you know, 40 year record you have in Congress. I mean, in 1984, he he partnered with Chuck Grassley, a Republican. uh, This is during the Reagan era to freeze federal spending, including Social Security. So, you know, Biden put this forward. It's not just like he was supporting this. This is something that is during deficit hysteria under Reagan. But he continued to do that in 1995 and 2007. There's time after time where you see these examples of him, you know, pushing forward this really conservative approach. All right. Now, two issues here. Uh, One is the counterattack against Bernie, which I'll hold off for a little while. And and the other is how does Bernie deal with this? All right. He sees that Joe Biden is vulnerable on the issue of Social Security. Uh, Does he raise it? If he raises it, he gets accused of running a nasty campaign. He gets accused of undermining the Democratic brand uh, as we head into uh, the, the, the election and uh, in, in prompting division. Uh, then there's lefties. Uh, we talk about Jimmy Dore all the time, has his own uh, podcast, uh, who, who's always urging, I don't know if you ever listened to Jimmy Dore, he's always urging Bernie to go harder. Rip Joe Biden, call him names. He can't stand Elizabeth Warren either, for that matter. Rip him, call him names. Do what Trump did to the Republicans and the Democrats. How, what's your position on this? Do you think uh, Bernie should follow Jimmy Dore's advice, or do you think Bernie uh, should do it the way he is now, which is sort of focusing on specifically on the issue? Well, I'm not an advisor to the campaign, but I definitely see that you know they have a, an approach right now that is to focus on the records and. Understandably, Joe Biden is upset by that and, you know, has been saying that, you know, Bernie's trying to attack him by calling him out on this. All that ad that I referenced earlier, the Sanders ad in Iowa, is literally a a, a voice quote from Joe Biden on the uh, floor of the Senate saying when he, you know, said he wanted to freeze spending, he meant Social Security, he meant Medicare. So that's if that's an attack, if that is an attack right now, that means that nobody can say anything about their, you know, the record of anybody else running for this nomination. And to me, that is no way to run a primary. I mean, voters need to know that's what a primary is about, is kind of vetting candidates and seeing where they stand and see what the base wants and seeing how are they going to stand up to these attacks when they start coming from Republicans because Lord knows they're going to be far more vicious. Now, as saying that, I should also say Trump's 2020 budget called included $25 billion in cuts to Social Security over the next 10 years. So it's not as if Trump is standing up for Social Security either. But don't you want somebody who has been completely on the side of workers throughout you know their entire career and has been fighting for expanding it rather than somebody who has this record they're going to have to deal with? 
So I think it's good that this is the issue that uh, the Sanders campaign has brought up. I don't think, you know, name calling, whatever is necessarily going calling him, you know, lazy, sleepy Joe or something from my Bernie well, is going to help. I, but that's definitely coming from uh, that's definitely coming from Trump down the pike. I got to so. tell you, uh, it's funny that the, the Democrats, Democrats are always worried about uh, and I'm like this too. Ah, can, can everybody get along, man? You know, just I love you. Uh, but I just watched last weekend. It's a cry for help uh, for a political junkie. I just watched. <laughs> cannot believe I, I'm admitting this. The 2016 Republican com- debate. I watched. Oh yeah. It. I, I just watched it again because it was I told D I was going to do it because I was curious. Like, how did CNN? I thought CNN was so biased against lefties when they did the Democratic debate. Uh, they did it from Republicans' perspective. So I was curious how they handled the, the Republicans. Yeah. And one thing, uh, by the way, they, they had their own bias uh, for the Republicans that uh, as well. But um, the thing that I noted, the Republicans didn't hold back with, I like you, man. Marco Rubio was coming hard at Trump. Yeah. I mean, he was unbelievable. He was he came hard at Trump on everything from bankruptcy to hiring employees who are not citizens yeah. uh, to being a failed businessman to being inconsistent in his policies. And uh, uh, so it's like, well, it didn't seem to hurt Trump too much. Yeah. Um, by the way, a lot of people in this studio. Come on, we can get a car focus, game ben, going Focus. Here. It's a party. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a party in here, man. Well, uh, the, what this has what this has all led to, understandably, is you know the most recent the Des Moines Register poll, the uh, CNN poll, New York Times poll. They all are showing a very clear trend line, and that is uh, Sanders is gaining in Iowa, in New Hampshire, in California, uh, and especially in Iowa. And this is we're just days out from the caucus. And just like in 2016, you know, the Republican establishment saw Donald Trump rising and they realized, oh, it's too late. And they started launching these attacks, which is understandably so. But, you know, at that point, the momentum had kind of been built up. I think for so long, you know, the uh, Democratic establishment has treated Sanders as like this outsider. He can't possibly win. He can't go above 15 percent in the polls. And so at this point, they're, they're really wringing their hands and don't know what to do. And for example, what, what they are doing, you see a string of articles about this anxiety amongst the establishment in recent uh, days, including the Washington Post a couple days ago that quoted Matt Bennett. And he's from this group called Third Way. We, we know this is one of the you know uh, preeminent centrist think tanks, of course, funded by Wall Street and completely opposed to the type of uh, redistributive agenda that Bernie Sanders is running on. Uh, they called Bernie, you know, free, previously had called Bernie an existential threat to the mm-hmm. Democratic Party. That was their term. So they emailed Iowa Democrats on Tuesday saying Bernie has a, quote, politically toxic background. Uh, there's a group called the Democratic Majority for Israel, um, which is, you know, a very uh, pro-Israel, Israeli government group. They have paid $700,000 now for an ad buy to attack Sanders. It mm-hmm. focuses on Iowa and talks about his heart attack and all this stuff, you know, they just because they're just, you know, grasping for things to attack him on. So that ad came out the other day, um, and within 24 hours of the ad coming out, the Sanders campaign email, and so that ad was for $700,000. The Sanders campaign emailed supporters saying, look, we got this ad buy against us. Uh, can you ra- help us raise some support? $1.3 million in a single day, mm. you know, after that came out. So it's like they launched these attacks, and the campaign is just, you know, t- get, takes in more money. So I don't think they've found a way yet to blunt this momentum. Uh, I think they're going to 
keep trying. You know, you saw this guy, Ben LeBolt, who's a former Obama aide, whose PR firm actually was hired by an industry group to try to, you know, attack Medicare for all. So we see, you know, where, where his bread is buttered. He said that uh, Bernie would be a uniquely problematic candidate. And to me, it's almost as if, you know, they are seeing uh, what Sanders represents as an existential threat to them, you know, not necessarily to the country and certainly not, you know, they're not seeing how it might be good to have a threat to the political establishment when the political establishment right now is represented by Donald Trump yeah. and the Republicans. So yeah, that, that, that name was, I think that kid, LeBolt, worked for Rom. It's quite I, possible. I, I think well, add Rom to the add Rom to the list of uh, the prognosticators who's, uh, you know, saying Bernie's going to be a disaster and yeah. we, we can't run on Medicare for all. Uh, all right. I should probably um, get ready to move on to uh, the next session. We have uh, our, all our guests are lined up here. I love when our guests come early. And they came early, man. Uh, but uh, before we do that, uh, anything you want to promote, tell people about uh, any articles you've written that you want to uh, alert. Sure. People well, to? I just did. I, I, I'm going to uh, have a response to the Iowa um Election. So look out for that uh, probably uh, two, maybe late Monday or early Tuesday, kind of responding to whatever happens uh, in the Iowa caucus just a few days away. Okay. Um, so look out for that. I also re I wrote about this uh, campaign uh, in 2018, the campaign by Cynthia Nixon to. Um, uh, she had a primary campaign against uh, Andrew Cuomo. Cuomo. She was unsuccessful in it, but during that campaign, folks might remember she came out as a Democratic Socialist and joined DSA. She had not been, you know, she was running to Cuomo's left, but she hadn't really embraced that yet. Right now, she today she just came out with this list, and she endorsed all of the people that uh, DSA has endorsed, the Democratic Socialists of America have endorsed in New York, and there's a whole slate of candidates running. Um, so I encourage people to read an article I wrote back in 2018 about the importance of her kind of embracing this socialist left vision of American politics for Jacobins. So people can look that up. It's called uh, What uh, Cynthia Nixon's Left Turn Means. Um, yeah, and one uh, quick correction. You know, you said early on that I put my guitar down. Uh, I actually am still uh, playing. Sorry, I'm man. in a uh, I'm in a rock band called The Crows. Uh, we don't have our uh, next show booked yet, but I want to uh, you know let people know they can follow The Crows Band USA on cool. Instagram. Follow ups uh, uh, for, for updates on that, and definitely next are you guys, time. Are you guys a cover band or do you do so, original? So uh, it's a little complicated, but we 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 form we've played a number of shows but we formed originally as a Counting Crows and Sheryl Crow cover band. Oh, wow. So that was, the, okay. that was the origin of the Crows. We've since expanded. We're doing original material now. There might still be a few covers in there. Wait, though, I know so. a Counting Crows song. Mr. Jones and me. That's Is that Counting Crows? Mm -hmm. yeah. Is that the one they say Bob Dylan? Yeah. I want to be Bob Dylan? That's the That's one. That's the Counting Crows? Yeah, we covered oh, that song. Isn't the big boy with the harmonica? Guys, this is a monumental mm. moment here on the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show. Ben knows a song after 1979. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. my. I want to be Bob Dylan, man. By the way, the Black Crows are a little pissed. Just saying. Yeah, right. we didn't include that. All right. We uh, we better move on, get our next guest on. Uh, Miles, thank you very much. Next time you come in, I'll make you bring your guitar. I make, I make our centrist uh, guest, Pete Peter P.C. Cunningham, bring his guitar. So I got to bring my, make my lefty guest bring his guitar as well. Okay, be right back. You. Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. 
arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. You know, I think progressives are really where the energy is right now. And I think if you can expand the electorate, which is what we saw in 08, bringing out new voters, particularly brown and black voters, young voters, energize the base where you don't have to change your message much, right? Just go out and get those voters excited. We can win. Hold on, Ron. I saw you shaking your head real quick. What's the rebuttal here? Well, first of all, Donald Trump is going to do a great job turning out our vote. And in 08, as well as in 92, 96, and in 12, is because both Bill Clinton and Barack Obama brought other people, not just people in the party, other people to the party. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com.